about the mid-90s, I don't know what you were doing in life, but I had one goal, and that was to be like Mike. Anybody else want to be like Mike? All right, I see you back there, Katrina. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jordan, what kind of Mike did you think? Michael Jackson, get out of here. <laughs> All right. So, I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. See, 1991, the greatest ad campaign ever came out, and that's the Be Like Mike ad campaign. Now, here's the deal. I wanted to be like Mike so bad that Mom went to Oshman Sports Goods Center with me. We got a adjustable, uh, you know, all the way up to the official regulation size basketball hoop, goal, rim. I'm not even sure. I didn't stick the basketball long, as you'll see. Uh, but man, when that thing was at six foot, I was Michael Jordan. I could just NBA jam, the basketball turns on fire, slam the basketball down in there. Now, I was like, you know, fifth grade at that point, I was six foot. I didn't grow much after fifth grade. Take that thing up to eight foot, and that's what we had to play on in Pee Wee League. Uh, I get a little bit worse, but just being the tallest person on the court, I could still just keep shooting layups until I eventually missed. Now, take that thing up to 10 feet, and I can drink all the Gatorade in the world. <laughs> now, I'll be well hydrated. I may get kidney stones, but I will be 0% like Michael Jordan. He's the greatest basketball player to ever live. I don't care who the dude is on the Lakers. I've never, like, Michael Jordan is the greatest. He is the GOAT. Amen. Oh. <laughs> We're wilding up in here this morning. I love it. No matter how much I practice, no matter how many games I played, I would never come even close to a percent of how good Michael Jordan was. You can go in our kids' ministry right now, and you can ask the kids that are here for setup, and you can say, hey, how good is Alex at basketball? And they would probably look at you and say, I've never seen him shoot the ball, and it touched the rim. <laughs> and that's not because it's nothing but net. It's just nothing but air the whole way. I could work hard. I could try hard. But at the end of the day, I don't have his athletic ability. I don't have his skill. I don't have the hours and hours practice. I don't have the experience in the games. I don't have his genetics. And the same is true for us when it comes to living righteous lives. So many times we can set out in our own power trying to do good, trying to be better, just trying to be better than we were yesterday, but every single time we are going to fail because we are in the flesh. Just like I wanted to be Michael Jordan, no matter how much I practice, I never would be. If we seek to live righteous lives, it doesn't matter how much we practice. It doesn't matter how often we come to church on Sunday morning. It doesn't matter how much we serve at church or how much money we give to church or to charities. If we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we will never bear fruit of the Spirit. We can try to be like Jesus all day long, just like I wanted to be like Mike, but if we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us, if we haven't trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, if we haven't repented to Him Lord of our life, then we will only ever be fans of Jesus. Just like I was a fan of Michael Jordan, but we'll never be followers of Jesus. When we become followers of Jesus, we are considered His. And the power that rose Jesus from the grave comes to live within us, and that is the Holy Spirit. 
this morning. We are in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. We have one more week in Galatians next week. Jacob's going to knock that out. This has been good. And I can stand up in front of you this morning and say, for once, I feel like Galatians is not repeating itself as it has the past five weeks. Don't live by the law, live by the Spirit. Well, today we get some practical steps to put into application in our lives. So let's go ahead and dive into the scripture. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatia. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That is these good things, these following the law to live a righteous life. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is, when they die, they will not go spend an eternity in the presence of God's love in heaven. But, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. First point this morning is that we are at war with ourselves. If you've got your connect card, you can take notes on that top part. Before you tear that perforated thing off, turn it in for a coffee mug later. Taking notes, first point this morning, we are at war with ourselves. We are at war with ourselves because within our hearts, within our minds, within our bodies, there is a great divide. We see verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what does Paul say when he's saying walk by the Spirit? We have to realize as he's writing to them in their context, in their context, in their context they were a walking culture. Everywhere they went, they walked. They woke up, they walked to work. They had to go get something to eat, they walked to the market. They walked back to work, they would walk back to their house. Everywhere they went, they walked. So I say, walk by the Spirit. So church, what does this mean for us? It means we live by the Spirit. In everything we do, Paul to us might have said, as you wake, as you get breakfast ready, as you drive to work, as you are working, as you drive home, as you hang out with your family, as you lay down at night after you cook dinner. Stay in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. When we live in the Spirit, we stray from the flesh. Shout out. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those of you, or for these, are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Once again, we see that there is this in, inter, internal battle within us. And this internal battle is the spirit versus the flesh. If we are in Jesus, if we have given our lives to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit has indwelled within us. 
We live in the Spirit. But we also have to keep fighting against the flesh and who we once were in our old ways before we came to Jesus. And so what we need to know about life in the Spirit and life in the flesh is it's not life in the Spirit or life in the flesh. It's not and or. It's not both. But they're separate. We have to realize that it's never both at once. We are either in the Spirit or we are in the flesh. If we are concerned about God, concerned about the bigger story and what He is doing in our life and other people's lives, then we are in the Spirit. If we are concerned about our smaller story, concerned about ourselves, concerned about the good of ourselves and the people closest to us, but not necessarily for their gain, but for our benefit, then we are living life in the flesh. There are three different outcomes of this battle that we see in our lives on a daily basis. And that is, at best, we choose the Spirit. And the Spirit wins out against the enemy of the flesh in the battle within us. And we execute God's will. We go about the thing that God has called us to do. Now, where I feel like I'm fighting in my life most of the time, and maybe you can relate, maybe you're here with me, is that you're somewhere in between. That is that because the enemy knows God wants to use you, because you've peeked your head out of the trenches, because you've become a threat and you are now in his crosshairs, now he wants to spend a little bit more time on you. And so he doesn't throw bad things your way, but he throws good things your way that are just not God's great things, that are just 2% off that five miles down the road, you will end up somewhere completely different than where God actually intended you. And so the in-between, we stay indecisive. The enemy slows down, or he stops what God is doing in our lives. Or there's a, there's a third outcome, and that is the worst, that we choose the flesh. And when we choose the flesh, the enemy wins. And we execute the enemy's will for our lives, or our will for our lives, whether we realize it or not. I want us to open our eyes this morning. Wake up to this. That this is not little angel on this shoulder, as you saw in the Looney Tunes cartoons growing up. This is not little painted red devil in a suit with a pitchfork on this shoulder, as you might imagine. If it was that obvious, every time as believers, we would choose God. God, that's you? Absolutely. I'm going to choose you. Oh, that's, that's the devil over here? This is some demonic influence trying to get me to make this decision? No, I'm going to say no to that. That's too obvious. But the devil doesn't work in obvious ways. He works in ways where he can trick us, where he can fool us. See, instead of it being the Holy Spirit saying, do this, and the enemy saying, do this, a lot of times it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us through our conscience to do this, but also in our own voice, it's what we desire in the flesh, saying, no, you should actually do this. No, this is going to make you uncomfortable. This might cause you to grow, but you know what? You're just not ready for that, so why don't you just not do that, or why don't you instead do this? And so it doesn't sound like we're choosing the enemy over God. It doesn't sound like we're going with the devil over Jesus. It says what it sounds like is we're just choosing ourselves and what we would rather do. And that is life in the flesh. Instead of choosing the spirit. Instead of choosing life in a bigger story. Instead of choosing a life that's not about us, but about loving God and loving other people. It's not always obvious. So we have to discern the voice of God. We have to discern the will of God in our life. How do we do that? We spend time with God. We spend time in His Word. If you've never opened up your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. Otherwise, we're going to constantly confuse the devil's good with God's great. 
and end up somewhere completely different than where God intends to be. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We have truly put our faith in Jesus to save us from our sin, but we are in the Spirit. And there is no system of rules and regulations that can ever produce what the Spirit can produce. This is what Paul is trying to point out here, is that the law that you are trying to live by on top of the gospel, on top of Jesus, you are trying to become a righteous person through that so that you can earn your salvation. He says, stop that. Because the law will only condemn. You don't live by the law anymore. Instead, you live by the Spirit. And in the Spirit, people of the Spirit will be produced. Fruit of the Spirit will be produced. These people that the law always set out to produce, it's actually going to condemn. But actually, they will be made by living life in the Spirit. Second point this morning is that we can bear fruit of the flesh. We can bear fruit of the flesh. I think for a lot of us, we do. We're still trying to fight against our old ways. We're still trying to figure out what life in the Spirit, life with Jesus looks like. And so we go back to who we were. We revert back to habits, to addictions, just being set in our old ways. And when we do that, we fall into this catalog of sin that Paul writes about in verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we got a catalog. All this sin. Let's go shopping. If you're under, whew, if you're under 30, you're like, what's a catalog? Yeah. <laughs> uh, soon, is that like Amazon? No. Amazon will send them to you around Christmas, though. They know how to get you still. So we have this catalog of sin. Really, the sin that Paul lists can be broken down into four different sections. The first is these sins of immorality. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. What this is is lust or mental adultery. Pornography, this Immorality comes from the Greek word porneia. That's where we get pornography today. Whether it's not pornography that's behind a screen or in a magazine or anything like that, it could be adultery. Rampant sexual lifestyles with no regard to God or His design. Intimate relationships outside of your marriage, whether that is sexual, physical, emotional. Sexual relationships outside of marriage, period. What I think we really need to make clear today because we've completely misconstrued sex as a culture we've completely got things mixed up here sex is all about us how we can be gratified and it is completely taken out of context of the way that god intended it to be which was within the confines of marriage which is within a covenant between man and wife with him forever any sexual act that happens in the name of love that is outside marriage is not love. It is the opposite of love, and that is selfishness. I don't know who you are today. No, I know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. But I want to speak to the men in the room, primarily, and then I want ladies you can listen to, okay? <laughs> There's a pandemic 
not just of COVID, but of pornography that is sweeping through the church. And it's not just men. It's mostly, but it's also a high percentage of women. There is a pandemic of infidelity that is sweeping through the church. Stay aware, men. Stay watch. Remember the vows that you said to your wife. Remember the covenant that you stepped in when you said, I will be here always and forever, for better or for worse. Love your wife. Serve your wife. It was only ever and always will ever only be her in your life. Protect your marriage. Protect your relationship. Don't let the enemy sweep in because you feel like you've been slighted, because you feel like you deserve something, because you feel like everyone else is doing this. Why can't I do this? You can't do this because you're different, because you're in the spirit. So remember that love that you once had. Love your wife as Jesus loves the church. Serve your wife as Jesus serves the church. Do not let something as stupid as pornography slip into your marriage and ruin it. Do not let something as stupid as a text message from the opposite sex slip into your marriage and ruin your relationship. Wake up. If that's you, repent. Take it before Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. Do not let it go on anymore. To repent means to ask for forgiveness, to come up with a plan, not to sin again, to incorporate God within that plan, and then to turn around 180 degrees and hightail it the other direction. There are people in this church this morning that need to do that today. If that's you, do it. Stop playing games. Your life, your wife's life, the life of your marriage, your family, it is not worth it. Let's wake up. Let's take it seriously. Then we have sins of idolatry. Worshiping false gods, taking God off his throne and replacing God with something else. Again, we, we don't really worship golden idols here. Spent some time in Africa, saw some of that there. What we worship instead are the good things in our life. Again, it's the devil's good over God's greatness. We worship our spouses. We worship our families. We worship our jobs. We worship our hobbies. We worship our influence on the line. Again, not bad things, certainly all good things, but as soon as they take Jesus off the throne and he is replaced by one of those things, they become an idol. And the idols in your life need to be dethroned. Of course, there's bad things. There's fame, notoriety, celebrity, substance, there's addictions. We need to rid those in our lives too. Do not let idolatry get in the way of what God is doing in your life. And then there's sorcery. This is a whole catalog within its own. This is psychics, diviners, tarot card readers, or if you're from Louisiana, tarot card readers, all right? I got some family down there, what's up? Palm readers, the demonic. This is witchcraft. This is the occult. What do all of these things have in common? All of these things are seeking a way to God for answers by human means or seeking supernatural power by human means. What's the problem with this? Is that none of these things go through Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way for our answers. Through Jesus and the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the power that we live in. All of these things 
go to a source outside of Jesus. If it was a source outside of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, then it is demonic. I don't care how nice it looks on the outside. And so when we open ourselves up to the influence of these things, we open ourselves up to the influence of the demonic in our lives. This isn't just things that happen in Scooby-Doo, guys. I spent right around two years as a fire inspector. That means I walked every room of every apartment, most of the apartment complexes around the DFW Metroplex. I can't tell you how many doors I opened and there was animal sacrifice taking place behind that door. I can't tell you how many seances were taking place. I can't tell you the church that Jacob and I used to pastor at, how many women would go to the library and try to be recruited by a local coven of witches. A couple weekends ago in Scottsdale, the biggest satanic gathering was held because the City Hall of Scottsdale refused to let the Church of Satan pray before one of their City Hall meetings. You know what they called it? It was real clever. Satan Con. <laughs> Great marketing there. These things are real. But if we live in the Holy Spirit, they can't touch us. Jesus has power over these things. Jesus has defeated these things. When Jesus took the cross, he defeated the flesh. He defeated our sin. He defeated the enemy. He rose three days later. He was victorious. These things have no hold on you. They have no say in your life. They have no influence over you if you are in Jesus. If you are not in Jesus, that is a different story. But if you are in Jesus, then you are good. This is happening in houses all over our community. This is happening in our neighborhoods. Let's not act like it's fake. If there's a good side, there is a bad side. Let's stay alert to it. Then we have sins of animosity, the breakdown of interpersonal relationship. There's enmity, which is hatred, quarreling with each other and hostility, the breaking down of community within the church that Paul was trying so desperately to create in Galatia. There was strife or discord, the spreading of ill will. There was jealousy, wanting what other people have, which largely comes from a lack of us not being grateful to God for what he has given to us. That was taking place in this church as well. Today, it's certainly taking place now. Just get on social media. Tell me you're not jealous of somebody else's highlight reel. Get on Instagram. Tell me you don't get jealous of their life. There were fits of anger, flying off the handle, being short-fused. Some of us might say having an Irish temper that leads to verbal or physical violence. You've got to realize that all of these stem from a lack of patience, stem from a lack of patience within the spirit. And all of these things, especially fits of anger or rage, all of it circles around the drain of I am the most important thing in my life. Not you. You inconvenience me. Now I am angry. Now I am upset. There were rivalries or selfish ambitions. There were dissensions, particularly trying to build themselves up within the church to get a certain place of leadership. We can see that today. There were divisions and factions, different heretical doctrines or false beliefs held by members within the church and used to split the church. Now, we recognize it quite a bit here at Asante Church. We come from all different kinds of congregations. And I love that. I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate that because we all come together on Jesus. We unite ourselves on one thing, and that is the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. We circle around the gospel. 
and we move forward in the Great Commission to go to all nations, to baptize them, to teach them, and to make disciples. And we do so in the Great Commandment. We do so by loving God and loving others. But church family, if we don't keep the first things first, and that is the dead coming to life, that is the lost being found, then we are at risk for our different denominational backgrounds that we come together and we worship Jesus in to cause a division within our church. So let's keep the first things the first things. Let's worship Jesus. Let's let discipleship, let's let the Holy Spirit work out the rest. Then there's envy. All the encompassing jealousy of everything that Paul lists above. Paul goes after this to a category of sin called the sins of intemperance, where he talks about drunkenness, the abuse of alcohol, not the use of alcohol in general, but the abuse of alcohol, which leads to temptation without the ability to withstand it. He talks about orgies, wild parties linked with drunkenness that lead to marital infidelity and sexual abuse, common for their day, common for our day as well. And then he says things of the like. Paul says, I don't give you an exhaustive list here. I'm just hitting what's trending on Twitter right now in the church of Galatia. This is what you're dealing with. This is what I need to discuss. And then he reminds them something very important. That these characteristics that you are practicing have no place in the kingdom of heaven. And the only way that you will inherit eternal life is through repentance and through relationship with Jesus. Turn from your lifestyle in the flesh and live in the spirit. So, how do we fall into these things? Do we choose ourselves? Do we choose the flesh? I think oftentimes we do. We don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to exhibit all the fruit of the flesh today. No, we wake up in the morning and we just start to look after ourselves and what is best for us. So we have to let down every excuse of that's just how I am. That has to be erased in our lives. That's just who I am needs to be replaced with that's no longer who I am. Because I no longer belong to the enemy or to the world. I now belong to Jesus and I now live life in the spirit. Third point, we are called to bear fruit in the spirit. We can bear fruit of the flesh, but we are called to bear fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. Verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We need to realize that this is all at once. Paul's not saying you're just going to grow some apples, you're going to grow some peaches, you got the pears. We, we need a mango grower. Anybody want to grow some mangoes here? Galatia, they're like, mangoes, Paul, we haven't been inside. What is this? No mangoes there. What Paul is saying is, when you bear this fruit, you bear it all at once. And now, it's not quite that simple. We see that in different lives, you would look at my life and you would say, clearly you have the spiritual fruit of patience. And you really lack in these things. And I would say, you need to keep looking if you think I'm patient. But all of this fruit is bared in our life at once, but it does grow at different rates. So we have the catalog of sin. Now we have the catalog of grace. We have love, unconditional love for those 
that are around us. We have joy, a celebration of life, regardless of its circumstances. Let me say that again. A celebration of life, regardless of its circumstances. I know that there are many of you in this church today that are going through some really hard times that are certainly, they don't seem fair, and you wish you could just get out of them. But to have joy is to have joy when things are going great and when things really, really stink. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows, when life is great or when we are suffering. Why do we have joy? Why do we celebrate life? Because we've been given life in Jesus. And ultimately, Jesus wins. What do we put our joy in? Jesus wins. The suffering that you're going through right now will not last forever because one day you will be in the presence of God's love for eternity. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus won. You can take joy in that. I don't care what comes your way. Jesus still wins. And you are still his if you put your faith in him. We have peace. More than just the absence of violence, but a wholeness and a well-being. Being in right relationship with God. We have patience. The ability to put up with people when it's just not easy. Patience means not being easily offended. Having a steel spine, but a soft heart. Kindness. As God treats us well, we treat others well. Goodness, being benevolent and generous towards others. Going the second mile with someone when they need it. Faithfulness, fidelity, remaining true, being trustworthy and reliable in all of our dealings with other people. Never being under the table. Always being above the table and above reproach. Gentleness, having a submissive and teachable spirit toward God being displayed in humility, self-control, having mastery of your desires and passions. Again, not by your own strength, but in the Spirit. Against such things, Paul writes, there is no law, because once again, this is the type of person that the law was trying to produce. And you can never do it in your own accord. You can never do it in your own strength. You can never earn your salvation. But because your salvation has been earned for you through Jesus, now the Spirit can dwell within you. And now these things can be displayed in your life. So, what does this look like in our lives? What does this look like when we get cut off in traffic? Is it self-control or is it fits of rage? What about when somebody offends you? Oh my goodness, in 2022, if somebody offends me, I'm going to go hyper snowflake and just cancel their whole life. No, I'm not. I'm going to forget. What if it's not fair? Well, Jesus died on the cross for your sins wasn't fair. He forgave you. Still spine, soft heart, patience, or enmity. When your spouse thinks they're right, again, is it kindness or fits of rage? And you're just going to be offended. By the way, if you think you're right, you're probably wrong. You're certainly <laughs> maybe wrong in your rightness. You can go talk to Adam about that in the garden. What about when you've lost patience with your kids who've called your name for the thousandth time? Is it patience? Is it kindness? goodness entering into their world with love or is it frustration because whatever you have going on is far more important than their little lives their little worlds called you 
What fruit are we bearing when things don't go according to plan? Fourth and final point, we need to be alive to the Spirit and dead to ourselves. Be alive to the Spirit and dead to ourselves. Verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. If we have put our faith in Jesus, that means our flesh, our selfish ways, our desires have been put to death by way of crucifixion, just the same as Jesus. And what for? So that we can live by the Spirit. Not just so that the, the Spirit could produce these fruits in our lives, but so that we could follow the Spirit in God's call, in His will, on our lives every day, in the Spirit. So let's not live life against each other. Let's not live life within the body of Jesus, butting heads with one another. Let's get on the same page here so that when we go out there, we can actually make a difference. So that if anything ever happened to Asante Church, somebody might actually miss it. Not so that we can come in here and sing pretty songs and hear weird words from me and Jacob and Peter. No, but so that we can actually be the church, so we can actually display the kingdom, so we can get outside of these walls and live in the Spirit. Me and Rachel and Brooklyn and Kinsey started playing a game recently. Maybe you played it. It's called Guess Who. All right? Here's how Brooklyn plays. By the rules, because that's how you're supposed to play, okay? And she's a rule follower, and she wouldn't dare break a rule. Here's how Mackenzie plays. Uh, you got any, does your person have black hair? No, they don't have black hair? Okay. And then she waits her next turn, and she asks the same question again. Black hair, they have black hair now? No, okay, so uh, Mackenzie is four, Brooklyn is six. I think the, you know, the fine line for this game may be five, okay? <laughs> Kinsey is struggling. Uh, blonde hair? No, no blonde hair. Okay, well, I'm going to ask that question six more times. And guess who? You try to guess the other person's character by their characteristics. What if, just like guess who, we stood up all of our pieces? We stood up in our seats. And I said, does your character have love? If the person on the other side of the board had your character, they'd be able to say, yeah, my person has love. Does your person have joy? No, my person doesn't have joy. They have love, but they haven't got the joy part down. So then we don't need to sit down if we don't have joy. What about peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? The list goes on. What characteristics are you known by? Your husband, by your wife, by your kids, by your co-workers. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by their what church? Their fruits. That was good. Good job. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, just as Paul says earlier. Thus you will recognize them 
by their fruit. So, church, my question to you this morning is, what kind of fruit are you producing? It's going to be fruit of the flesh, or it's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. Are you a healthy tree, or are you a diseased tree? What does your fruit say about you? Do you have grapes, or do you have raisins? Do you have plums, or do you have prunes? Or do you have thorns and thistles?